all the dreams, all the hopes for the national championship come down to this play. Young from the shotgun, back to throw. Vince looks, under pressure. He'll tuck it in and run. Vince to the five. Young, touchdown, Texas. Touchdown, Vince Young. He's done it again. Vince Young has given the Longhorns the lead with 19 seconds to play in the game. What is up, Football Nation? My name is Steve Bennett. I'm the host of the Football Nation Sportscasters Podcast. My co-host is Don Russ. What's going on today, Don? Hey. It is episode 7 on May 15th, 2012. And I don't know what you think, Don, but it felt like this week was kind of the start of the NFL offseason in a way. Well... Yeah, and our three things this week are going to show that with uh, our lead stories being somewhat minor, our clip there being a Vince Young highlight. So, uh, it's not going to be very often, by the way, that we're going to have a call of Texas winning the national championship <laughs> played on this podcast. I don't know how I let that happen, uh, but it did. Uh, as I said, it is the Football Nation Presents the Sportscasters podcast. Uh, Steve Bennett, Don Russ, episode Seven of this project. Last week, episode six, we were lucky enough to have Greg Cassell from NFL Films join us for a really special look behind what is a really special company. And it got a great response on Football Nation. So I want to thank everyone who downloaded, listened. Uh, You can find this podcast at footballnation.com and also on iTunes. So anyone who went the iTunes route, we appreciate that as well. Uh, We really got a great response from that podcast. Uh, Today on the show, we have Chris Burke who writes the Audible's blog at si.com. Chris is going to talk to us a little bit about some of the things he's been writing to keep things alive on that blog as we enter sort of a slower part of the summer as we wait for OTAs to start in a couple of weeks. And then we'll be, before you know it, then it'll be a little bit of a low in July again. And then, bam, training camp. So if you live in a city like Buffalo where summer is so short and you look outside and it's such a beautiful day today, you know that football is right around the corner because you know weather like this (laughs) isn't going to last for so long. Uh, We're going to talk to Chris in a little bit, but before we get to that, we're going to start the show off with three things. Let's play a game. All right. Count of three. One. All righty. I'll take it off. Two. The oil patterns on a PBA lane are very, very difficult. I might be able to beat Jamarcus Russell at quarterback. <laughs> this is the funnest night ever. <laughs> Did we just become best friends? Yep. Now let's move on to other business. In Buffalo Homer news, uh, Vince Young signs on with the Bills, and it is a Homer news story, but it also, like we said, was a slow week, so that might be the biggest, most football-relevant story of the week. Um to quote the Bills coach, well, not to quote him, but the, to paraphrase the Bills coaches, he's got, he's brought in to uh, compete for the backup role with Tyler Thigpen, and that's a joke. Usually they're pretty straight shooters, but there's there's no competition there. Tyler Thigpen's over however many times he's ever attempted to play football. I don't think Tyler Thigpen is in there long term plans. No, not at as all. As a backup or anything else. Uh, if anything, I think that this. Buffalo loves quarterback controversies, so if anything, I think you might see that if Fitzpatrick has a little bit slow start this year. But I, I like the signing, and uh, 
again, good for the Bills for continuing to show they want to compete in the league. You know, I was down at the stadium, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but it was an interesting moment where Buddy Nix was addressing the media about the Vince Young signing, and he went through the lip service about the number two job. And one of the Buffalo News writers that was there said, you know, what do you think about what would happen if Fitzpatrick gets off to a slow start? Is there going to be a quarterback contract with Vince? And Buddy Nix cut him off and said, don't even start that. <laughs> so the Bills are a little nervous about that maybe turning into something, and they're trying to make it clear that Fitzpatrick is their guy, Vince Young is brought in to back him up. But I, I think what happened maybe last year, you know, news came out after the season that Fitzpatrick was had injured. broken ribs or broken whatever ribs. Was, right. And I think if they had a quarterback that they viewed as competent, and I think that they think Vince Young might be this guy, you might have seen last year Fitzpatrick take, take a, a week game or, or two, two off. off. Right. You know, so I think this gives them that chance. And I think they've improved the defense so much that they don't want the season to be ruined because they have an injury at quarterback. So I think the move makes a lot of sense. I can understand why they did it. And you can't deny the fact that Vince Young has a great record in games yeah. that he's played in the NFL. He wasn't the best Eagle. I don't think he had his most successful season last year with the Eagles. But overall, he's won, I think, about two-thirds of the games yeah, that he's started. Yeah, more than he's lost. So makes a lot of sense. My first story is similar. Uh, the Bills and many teams across the National Football League had rookie camp. This last weekend, and I went down to rookie campus hanging out with Tim Graham of the Buffalo News, who's a friend of ours, oh, yeah. kind of watching practice uh, on the first day. And if you're a Bills fan and you're wondering how it went, I'd say this. Stephon Gilmore looks like a player. He's He looked awesome out there. He looked it was not hard in a field of about 40 or 50 guys to pick out the, the guy that the Bills pick, picked yeah. first. wasn't hard at all. He stuck out like a sore thumb, and he was really good. He got his hands on an interception almost right away in seven-on-seven seven drills. Uh, so I think he's going to be a player. I think he's probably going to start right away. The guy that I think rubbed people the wrong way in the media and really looked a little unenthusiastic was Cody Glenn. Uh, he was put in right away at left tackle. I don't know if he'll compete at left tackle when the veterans are there or not, but that's where he was during rookie camp. It's actually Cordy, but... Oh, Cordy. I'm sorry. That's all right. Sorry, Cordy. <laughs> uh, he just didn't look... He just wasn't into it. And he was real lethargic when he addressed the media. There's a couple guys trying to press him in terms of if he thought he'd compete at left tackle. He didn't want right. to talk about it. He just... It was just, you well, got a bad impression. Yeah, from the Bills were adamant that when they drafted him, I mean, a lot of the talking heads and the experts said that, oh, they don't see this guy making the transition to tackle. And the Bills basically said, you don't draft a guy here if you don't think he can play tackle. He's our tackle, blah, blah, blah. But So that's not a good not a good sign. If uh, And then the other, I think, play significant tackle. player was TJ Graham. And he was the fastest guy in the field, no doubt about it. Kid can fly. Yeah, they need him to. He can fly. There's no doubt about it. But you can, and he admitted it after. He's still green with his route running. He's got to learn when he's running a zone pattern that he can't overrun the quarterback's read. You know, so he can't be 100% full speed all the time necessarily. So he does have a bit to learn, but he's really promising. He was a really nice kid. So just a few impressions from Bill's uh, rookie camp there for you. 
All right, my second thing this week, uh, sometimes these can be somewhat negative, our three things, because of uh, arrests or... Yeah, I got one coming. <laughs> <laughs> that type of thing. But mine, my three things this week is a super happy, fun time three things. It's a feel-good stories after feel-good stories. My second one here, and really a nice effort here, Sahid Khan, I believe I'm saying that right, the billionaire Jags owner. Uh, first of all, it's a really cool story. They, I haven't heard much about him. Kind of looks like a uh, Pakistani Mario, like Super Mario. Like oh, he's got right. the, the crazy mustache and stuff, real likable guy. He's a real-life rag-to-riches story. So, uh, it's, I mean, it's just a nice story in general. And it comes out this past week that he donated $1 million to a Veterans Assistance Fund which helps military personnel reacclimate to uh, like regular civilian life after they get back from duty. So I basically just wanted to acknowledge him and say good job. I know we beat up on the Jags sometimes and always talk about how they're the team that should move if there's going to be a team that moves, but good for him. And it's nice that the Jags actually have like a real owner that uh, hopefully can get your situation sorted out. Yeah, my number two thing. He's going to have to open his wallet from Reese Jones-Drew. We've talked a lot about this show, on this show, in the seven episodes, about how the Saints really need to make sure that they take care of Drew Brees, how important Drew Brees is to the Saints. Well, you could make an argument that Maurice Jones-Drew is important to the Jaguars as Drew Brees is to the Saints. And right now, Maurice Jones-Drew isn't happy. He's been absent from the team's OTAs, and Coach Mike Malarkey confirmed today that his absence is is contract-related. Uh, it says Malarkey, he's talked about trying to get an extension for his contract, which I think everyone is aware of. I'm on the coaching end of those matters. I talked to him about football and what I can do for him on the field and in the locker room. If you're wondering, Jones Drew signed a five-year, $31.35 million contract in April of 2009. Has two years left on that deal at $9.5 million total left. Um, but running backs, Adrian Peterson, Chris Johnson... Arian Foster and D'Angelo Williams received contract extensions averaging $8 million per season last year. So Jones wants to be paid in that area. Um, Malarkey went on to say it's all voluntary. Wish he was here. He knows we wish he was here. His teammates have talked to him about it. It's a personal decision. Nothing I can do about it. I think if I spend a lot of energy on worrying about that, it's not going to be in a good direction for the guys that are here. And I want to show that the positive energy that I have, and I don't want to let anything be a distraction from the guys that are here. He'll catch up when he comes back in. Look it, Jaguars fans don't have to worry about Jones Drew missing OTAs. No. They probably don't have to worry about Josh Scobie missing them either. He was franchised, hasn't signed the <laughs> tenure, and, and hasn't, yeah. hasn't been there. What the Jaguars do need to worry about is making sure that their workhorse, their guy, is happy when the season comes around because you don't want this to turn into an ugly holdout. So Right, don't do to him what Chicago has kind of done to Matt Forte. And, he, and, and, and you don't want what happened with Chris Johnson last year right. who held out, didn't get his work in, and he was never quite the same during the season last year. I don't know if there's a – I can't prove that the reason Chris Johnson wasn't good last year because he held out, but I can, I can theorize about that. Sure. Um, so you don't want this to get out of hand. With Jones Drew. Plus, like Drew Brees, he's not only a great player, but he's a good guy. He's a really good guy. So he's got to be – I mean, it helps your team having that type of guy in the locker room. And if you think about it, that stadium is filled with tarps 
and 32 jerseys. Sure. Right? I mean, that's what's in that stadium every 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 Sunday. He's their guy. So if the owner's got a million dollars for charity, he's probably going to have to find <laughs> uh, 16 or $20 million extra to throw Jones Drew's way. And I, I think just about anyone who knows Jones Drew, has watched Jones Drew, probably say he's worth it. Absolutely. I was just thinking, I'm admittedly prone to hyperbole, but uh, if you were making a list of underrated football players of all time, he's got to be near the top of that list. He's a guy that, if you're a fantasy player out there, every single year towards the end of the first round or near the top of the second round, you look at that name and you're like, man, that team is so bad. How is he going to possibly put up numbers there? How is he going to stay healthy? And every year he stays relatively healthy and puts up relatively good numbers, sometimes great numbers like last year. My last story, like I said, another feel-good story. Joe Hayden, uh, star player for the Cleveland Browns, takes an 18-year-old girl to her high school prom. Uh, Joyce Grendel tweeted at him saying that uh, her date backed out at the last minute and she needed a date. So Joe Hayden agreed to be a nice guy. Nice job, Joe. Picked her up in her Lamborghini, in his Lamborghini and uh, took her to his prom, which was also his first prom. Uh, he said because he left school early in high school, I, I guess he... Uh, yeah, he probably left to get to college in January. He, so. Yeah, he couldn't yeah. go to his prom. So he said, uh, I mean, there's, there's pictures online you can search for. He was nervous. He did the whole thing where he picked her up at mom and dad's house and took pictures with her. And he said it was, he was nervous. He was talking to himself, getting ready. Like, does this look cool? Do I look good? And all this stuff. (laughs) And, uh, it's just, it's a real cool, nice story. You'd love to hear stuff like that. Like I said, I can point to lots of scandals and controversies and arrests and stuff like that. And this week, like I said, overwhelmingly positive in my three things. Uh, side note, my prom was uh, today in 1998. Oh, I don't know when mine was. June, May 15th, 1998. <laughs> my last thing is one of those potentially negative things. Uh, New York Jets nose tackle Kendrick Ellis could face up to 20 years in prison wow. or deportation on a felony charge of malicious wounding. Uh, Ellis, uh, who is a native of Jamaica, moved to Florida at the age of 11 is on a permanent resident status, and if he's convicted of an aggravated felony, he could be dis- deported. The story is that in 2010, while he was a student at Hampton University, uh, allegedly a vic- the victim harassed his girlfriend and then came at him with a baseball bat, and he acted in self-defense. That's according to ESPN New York. Okay. The trial has been postponed twice. Ellis is also facing a civil suit in relation to the incident in which Dennis Allay is seeking $3 million in damages, include accusing Ellis of breaking his nose and jaw, which required two surgeries. Wow. Uh, the trial is in Hampton, Virginia. Ellis is due there on Thursday for a, a pretrial hearing. So, nervous time for the Jets. I mean, this could be one of those things that doesn't make it to trial. You know, maybe it's thrown out. Maybe he's he's uh, his story of self defense that proves to be true. Right. Uh, I'm not. I have no idea either way. I you know I don't know. But I know if I was a fan of the Jets or if I was a Jets organization, I'd be really nervous about the thought of my nose tackle getting kicked to Jamaica because I don't have many games on my schedule in the country of Jamaica next year. <laughs> yeah. And it's- so he's not going to be able to make much of an impact 
if that's what happens to him. You would think if you were a guy – I mean, you would think in general that you probably just try to stay – on the the good side of the law, being as you're. But then again, if you've been here since you're 11, do you really yeah. ever think that there's going to be a situation where you might get deported? Deported? I, I guess not. And, I, and you know, if you have a girlfriend and someone's harassing her, and the next thing you know, he's coming down at you sure. with a baseball bat. So hopefully, it turns out to be true. Uh, not yeah for, for the, the Jets', Jets sakes because I don't Kendrick, like the Jets, but Kendrick and <laughs> but yeah for his sake, hopefully it's true and it's not a big. It, it, he was acting in self defense. Hopefully. Hopefully. All right, so that's going to do it for three things today. Uh, rest of the show is going to look like this. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back with Chris Burke, blogger from Sports Illustrated. It's called the Audible's blog. And uh, then we're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit about email, uh, this week in Football Nation feature, tell you a little bit about our other podcast and close things off. So let's take a quick break and come back with Chris Burke from Sports Illustrated, sportsillustrated.com. <laughs> Our next guest is from East Grand Rapids, Michigan, and is a graduate of the University of Michigan. He has worked as an NFL editor, blogger, and associate producer for FanHouse. Today, he lives in Arlington, Virginia, where he's a fe- featured NFL blogger for SportsIllustrated.com. A warm Football Nation and sportscasters welcome to the very talented Chris Burke. How are you doing today, Chris? Hey, guys. Doing pretty well. You know, we were just talking off the air a little bit about how this week has finally felt like the off season. You know, it seems like it's been going and going and going. And now we finally kind of hit a little bit of a concentrate on the NBA and NHL playoffs, a little bit of a lull. You kind of agree that it's been, how do you, how, how have you felt about this off season up to this point in comparison to others kind of throwing out the strange one last year? Yeah, I I don't want to jinx it necessarily by saying that it's been uh, slower than I expected because I'm sure the next big story is just around the corner. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, this is always a little bit of the downtime here, uh, kind of right after the draft and then right before the, uh, you know, OTAs and stuff get going, mini camps and everything had gone. And you know, teams are going through their rookie mini camps and stuff, but, uh, that's sort of more for the diehard football fans, I think, than the casual ones. Um, you know, it has been kind of a busy off season. Like you said, we were talking out there, one of the things, you know, we were waiting on the Saints punishment and the player punishments from the bounty stuff. Uh, you know, the draft is obviously a huge deal that everyone's wanted to get through. So, you know, I, I think it's been a, a junior sale too. That was another big one that came out of nowhere. Um, you know, I think it's been uh, there's always kind of a ebb and flow with the NFL off season, but I, you know, it feels like it's been kind of hectic for for a while. And like you said, this is the first time it's really calmed down. Two quick things about what you said. One, I felt like when the Saints punishments came out on the coaching and administrative end, that Goodell hammered them. But then when I when I saw the player suspensions, I almost looked twice as if I thought there was going to be more that only and obviously Vilma's suspension was is intense I mean being a whole season but it almost felt like the Saints had prepared for that with the Curtis Lofton signing yeah and then the only other player they're going to lose is Will Smith for four games did you kind of feel like 
they kind of got off a little bit light on the player side of things? Uh, no, I don't. I don't know if they got off light necessarily. I mean, I was kind of like you. I think we all we all were waiting for uh, Vilma to get hammered. I don't know that anyone really expected it necessarily to be a full season, but I don't know that that caught people off guard. Um, you know, I I think the surprising thing out of all of it is, you know, the reports and when the NFL was doing its investigation, we heard that there were. 20, 25 players involved, um, and you wind up with four getting punished, and all, right. you know, like you said, one, one getting really substantially punished, and then the other three, you know, sort of getting a few games here and there. Um, so I think that was more the surprising part to me is that there weren't a few more fines or one game suspensions handed out here and there that they really just focused on these four guys and went after them. Um, and I, you know, I think. Given what they gave out to the coaches, I think I, I mean I understand where those punishments came from. You know, you mentioned Seau, and that was incredibly sad last week. We talked a little bit about it on the show, but how hard it was to see his mother. I don't know if you call it a press conference, but the statement that she made in front of his house was so heartbreaking. And we kind of talked about how Seau is a little bit different than some of the other guys who've gone through this tragedy because Seau was in HD. If you know what I mean, like he was, he's he he just seems like yesterday that he was on the field, and one of the big yeah. one of the big things that came out of it was this issue of, you know, will parents allow their kids to play football? And I don't know if you're a parent. I'm not. Don is. He's got a little daughter, so I don't think she's gonna sign up for football anytime soon. But where's your where, where's your take on it? Like, could you see yourself allowing your son? I mean, you you cover the game like we do. You're you're obviously a big football fan. Do you have any trepidation about having a kid out there on the field and worrying about the things that players have to worry about every snap? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a parent yet. Uh, hopefully at some point down the road, so maybe I'll be able to speak more surely about it at that point. Uh, but I definitely uh, can understand where uh, parents that don't want their kids to play football are coming from. Um, you know, I I, I didn't play really when I was younger um I played hockey a lot and I know when I got into that my my mom was very concerned about it for a lot of the same reasons I mean you just it's the injury worries and things like that and you know I think to some extent that's something that you get I mean if you're pushing your kid into golf or something I mean (laughs) maybe not but you know you talk about football or hockey or wrestling gymnastics i mean there's some level of risk with pretty much any any road you're going to go down so um you know i i don't blame parents that that might want their kids to avoid doing it but at the same time you know i think it's to some extent it's probably going to get safer and safer to play football honestly because you know we we sort of had this push in the last few years where players are bigger and faster and stronger and everything but um i think now there's kind of adjusting from the, yeah i think from the nfl on down people are just sort of getting a little more cautious of it be it the equipment or the rules so you know i, I don't know that it's ever going to be safe but um I think it'll probably trend back in that direction. I hope it does because it can't keep going the way it's been going. Absolutely. Sportscasters and Football Nation here with Chris Burke, a football blogger on SI.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris, B-U-R-K-E underscore S-I. 
was checking out the blog before we called you, and you did a really cool piece um, taking a look at the team's each NFL team's most promising undrafted free agent. And every year we have players who emerge uh, through the summer and end up being impact players on their teams. All pros, Hall of Famers have been undrafted free agents. When you sat down and you did this piece, who are some guys that really stuck out as being players that you think can be at the maybe not Hall of Fame, but certainly all pro level on the field and make an impact for their teams? Yeah, well, uh, I, I think Chris Polk, the running back uh, out of Washington, who's signed with the Eagles, was kind of the obvious one that jumped out um, because people really thought he was going to go in the middle rounds and certainly in the, on the third day. And uh, there were some rumors that he had some injury issues, and he just kept falling and falling. And you know, he wound up now in a pretty good situation in Philadelphia. So if he can make the team there, I think he's got a chance to be. Um, be a solid player. Uh, Atlanta signed James Rogers, who's the brother of their of Jack His Rogers, their current running back. Um, and they need a kick returner, and that's really what James Rogers does well. So, you know, he's got a shot. And then, I, I mean, I think you always got to look at no slight to the smaller school guys, but anytime there's guys that have sort of been through big time competition and performed well, but whether it's their size or injuries or you know, not interviewing well at the combine, that sort of slip. Um, to like USC has Dejon Harris, the defensive tackle, who went to Tennessee. Um, you know, he's the type of guy that could step in and give him some minutes. Uh, the Saints signed Johnny Thomas, who played at Oklahoma State, so he was going up against. You know, he's a safety, but he, you know, matching playing against guys like Dustin Blackman and a lot of talented receivers in that uh, conference. So. Um, you know, it's an interesting time for a lot of those guys because I think you will wind up with uh, with quite a few that end up maybe not making huge impacts, but certainly playing uh, once the season rolls around. One interesting thing that I've seen in the blog is you mentioned Kellen Moore, for, uh, the quarterback from Boise State in Detroit, and, and you mentioned you know he's probably not a guy who's going to contribute in 2012 unless all hell breaks loose in Detroit. But he's interesting because... I think he was the player in the draft that the college football people couldn't understand why the NFL people weren't more interested in him based on his production and his success at Boise State. Ultimately, whether it's in Detroit or maybe if Detroit flips him in the way that the Packers have had success flipping guys that they developed behind their successful quarterbacks, do you think he's a guy that can have success in the NFL or do you do you tend to think that he's too small, like many of the scouts, and maybe the reason why he went undrafted? Uh, I mean, I, I actually, I was just out at Lions camp over the weekend. Um, I, I, no, <laughs> I guess I should have mentioned when you <laughs> introduced me as being from Arlington, I just moved back to Ann Arbor, uh, Michigan. Oh, so I'm right up, back. you know, half, half hour away from uh, Lions, where the Lions practice. So I ran out to camp over the weekend as just sort of, check out him and, you know, see how Ryan Broyles was progressing, things like that. Um, you know, and it's <laughs> seeing him live at practice and then talking to him after, you sort of get the impression, you know, everything you hear about him really kind of rings true. I mean, he did not practice that well. Um, you know, and some of that's it's rookie camps or with a bunch of random receivers and a new offense. So, but, you know, he – misfired on some balls that you would expect an NFL quarterback to make and and uh, didn't look particularly great in the field. But then, 
you know, you talk to him after, you you see him out there just sort of the way he projects himself, and he's a confident guy, and he's a guy that has, you know, he has four years of starting experience and 50 college wins under his belt, so you can understand why the Lions liked him um, and why some team would want to take a chance on him. So, And like you said, it's kind of a great situation for him because barring the sort of doomsday scenario in Detroit where Stafford and Sean Hill get hurt at the same time. Um, he doesn't need to step in and play. I mean, he can just sort of be their third guy and, and just sort of hang around and learn the offense, learn from those guys. And then maybe in two or three years when Sean Hill's done, he moves up to backup. And like you said, it's then the ideal for the Lions is probably then you get into that sort of Matt Flynn, Aaron Rodgers right. situation where you, if he's as good as he as you hope, then maybe he steps up into the starter someday. And if not, you make him a solid backup and then try and either keep him or trade him down the line. Um, you know, I think he's got a chance to be good. I think he obviously has a lot of stuff to work on, but if you put him in the right offense, I think he'll he'll be able to win some games. Um, you know, I don't know that he's ever going to be a, a Pro Bowl quarterback. I don't know that he's ever going to throw the ball around like Rodgers or Stafford, but... Um, he certainly knows how to win games, and that's pretty invaluable when you talk about uh, this this level of football. How did Broyles and the knee look, and what did you think of him and the other three Sooners that are uh, were at rookie camp in Detroit this week? Uh, yeah, Broyles didn't do he didn't do any of the workouts. Um, you know, he he was out there just sort of hanging out. He doesn't have a knee brace, didn't have a knee brace on, or didn't seem to be limping anything like that. Uh, Jim Schwartz said he's sort of you know just sort of the, what you'd expect. He's coming along. He's better than he was a couple months ago. He'll be better in a couple weeks than he is now. So um, I think they're still hoping he's ready for the start of the season. Uh, but I don't I don't know that it's any guarantee at this point. And as for the other guys, I mean, I think it's, you know, I, I, I liked those other Oklahoma picks that they, that they made, Travis Lewis and Ron L. Lewis. I think will both play at least on special teams and, uh, Jim Schwartz really loves those special teams guys that'll get out there and just sort of knock people around. So, um, you know, at any time you can bring in the rookies that are familiar with other guys on the team, it certainly helps, uh, which is why maybe tell Moore will be better once camp starts and he's got Titus Young to throw football to since they know each other. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I like what the Lions did in the draft and we'll just have to wait and see on Broyles, I guess. Yeah, I... I watch a lot of Oklahoma football, and I think Travis Lewis has a chance to be really good. Um, he was—he's just one of those guys. Watching him at Oklahoma, that it, he, I just never felt like he took a playoff. I, I just thought he had a really good motor. I think he has a—he has a chance to be really good. That's just my my opinion, but um, it's kind of a side comment there. What do you plan on doing? <laughs> uh, what do you plan on doing now? The next couple of weeks, as things are a little quieter, how are you going to keep the blog interesting and a place for people to keep coming and clicking in this kind of slower uh, period? Yeah, well, I think uh, the next couple of weeks just uh, probably do some longer pieces. Like I said, I was out at Lions camps, and I'll actually be writing. I'm, I'm writing on Kellen Moore for this week, um, and probably do a couple more things like that as we go. Uh, and of course, if anything breaks or there's any trades or big injuries, we'll hit that. Uh, and then come June, um, we'll be doing sort of a day by day, uh, camp preview for each team, sort of leading up to the preseason. Uh, so we'll have, uh, I'm not sure the exact date we'll start, but it'll basically just do one, one or two teams per day, uh, 
looking at sort of their issues and going into camp and which players you need to keep an eye on, all the sort of general stuff you'd want to know as a fan of those teams. So that'll that'll sort of help pave the way into the preseason. And then once the preseason starts, you know, you're back into a lot of the storylines kind of writing themselves. So um, it's really just these next <laughs> couple weeks, uh, barring any any big news where uh, we were talking about <laughs> there's some downtime. So, uh, you know, just try to make sure there's content there. And if people come, they're not reading the same stuff that they've seen for the last week. You mentioned training camp and how you're going to be doing kind of a, a preview for each team and get ready for camps. Is there any specific storylines that you're interested in in any particular camps as, that you're interested to see develop? Uh, well, I think the one that really caught my eye and I'm sure caught a lot of people's eyes this past week was in Seattle with uh, QBs. Pete Carroll saying, you know, Russell Wilson can come in and compete for the starting job, uh, quarterback job with Matt Flynn and Tavares Jackson. So that'll be, you know, if that if that happens, uh, <laughs> that'll be a pretty interesting storyline to follow because if he really gets in there and, and plays well, then... I mean, I don't know what they do with Matt Flynn at that point. So, right. um, so that you know, that's a big one. I, and uh, you know, I think a lot of the teams, there's a, uh, you know, there's some teams that are sort of coming on, coming on strong here that you got to keep an eye on. I think Cincinnati, watching them in camp and sort of seeing how they put all their pieces together again, and uh, Buffalo certainly with uh, Mario Williams and. The guys that they've added, I think they're probably getting close to being able to compete in the AFC East. So, um, you know, I I think it's just a matter of sort of seeing where everyone's at at that point, uh, just like the teams are doing, um, and uh, trying to get a feel for which, like the whether it's the quarterback battle in Seattle or something else, you know, which position position spots are going to be up for grabs uh, with certain teams. All right, it's uh, the Audible's blog at si.com, Chris Burke on the NFL. Uh, you can find Chris on Twitter at Chris, B-U-R-K-E underscore S-I. Thanks a lot for being on the show today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. Love, love coming on. All right, thanks, bud. All right, we have to thank Chris Burke from SI.com for being on the show today. I want to thank everyone for listening to Episode 7 of the Football Nation Presents the Sportscasters Podcast. Hope you got a chance to listen to Episode 6 last week with Greg Cassell. And just to clear something up, the podcast is available to you at footballnation.com, but it's also available on iTunes, so you can Correct. get it in either spot. If you just do a Football Nation Sportscaster search on iTunes, it's available there. Uh, so if you are kind of portable about it and you want to get it onto your iPad or iPod or anything like that, we are available to you on iTunes. That's there for you. All the episodes are there. Just a quick reminder, check out Season 2, Episode 19 of the Sportscasters Proper. Great show this week. We have interviews with John Smoltz, former pitcher from the Atlanta Braves, uh, Tom Verducci, baseball writer for SI.com, and our friend Chris Ballard, who is normally an NBA writer, at SI.com, but he's got a great new book out called One Shot at Forever, A Small Town, An Unlikely Coach, and a Magical Baseball Season. Uh, so Chris joined us in what was a really incredibly loaded podcast for us 
to have John Smoltz, who's a Major League Baseball Hall of Famer someday, Tom Verducci, who writes at a Major League Baseball Hall of Fame level, and Chris Ballard, who's essentially a Hall of Fame basketball writer. It's really a great show. So we encourage you to check that out on our website, www.sports-casters.com. That's also on iTunes and also available on Stitcher. Uh, if you have any questions or comments or concerns, you can email us at sportscasters at gmail.com. Um, and the last thing we like to do this each week, um, and we like to preview or talk about one article that we've been reading on footballnation.com. Football Nation has so much great content besides the sportscasters. We want to make sure we acknowledge some of the really great things that are on there each week. Don, is there something you read this week at Football Nation? Yeah, and it's currently still in the top of the scroll there. It was submitted a few days ago, but it uh, it's a top 10 absolute worst moves in NFL history. I'm a sucker for lists. They're easy to read, uh, and they're easy to – it's it's a good talking point. It's easy to disagree with them or agree with them and see where these things rank. So go check out – I believe his name is Eric Grogan. Let me look. Eric – yeah, Eric – Grogan's article about the top 10 worst moves in NFL history and uh, comment like the comments on this site are usually pretty good. So leave a comment there. The authors usually check them and they'll write back and it's good. Uh, it's a good way to get a dialogue going. Most random moment in the history of the football nation podcast. I also have a column by Eric Grogan. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't plan that, but uh, he's my works. Be busy writing. Yeah. Uh, he posted a column about, Devin Hester being poised to break out in 2012. He compares him to some other receivers. As why, a receiver, huh? Why he thinks this is the year Devin Hester is going to break out. I got to say, Eric, <laughs> I don't know. I don't <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, He'd definitely be the only one probably calling that. You can follow Eric on Twitter at E-R-I-K-G-R-O-G-A-N. Um I and, haven't uh, read that article, but I guess one of the reasons you could add is that he's not a, num- he's not supposed to be the number one guy there anymore. Right, so. Brandon Marshall is there. Maybe that takes that some pressure help. out. Yeah. And Hester certainly got the speed. Sure. Um, you know who would love if this article comes true is the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> that would yeah. that would tickle them pink. So, uh, how about that, Eric? Two pa two two plugs two plugs in one podcast. Even got the Twitter out there. But uh, I want to thank our guest. Uh, next week on the show, we're going to talk some AFC South football with the ESPN AFC South blogger. So if you're a fan of the Jaguars, Titans, Colts, or Texans, be a big show for you. Um, but we'll be back with our usual three things and um, to looking at some articles on Football Nation. Again, if you want to email us, sportscasters at gmail.com. Don, why don't we go to California? Spend my days with a woman unkind, smoke my stuff and drink.